Welcome to the Small Business Tax Savings Podcast, your weekly dose of accounting and tax tips specific to small business owners. You will be on your way to growing your business and paying the least amount in taxes as legally possible. Here's your host, Mike Jezoshek, CPA. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode. First off, I just want to say thank you. Thank you for listening to us this year. We have been spending the last few weeks ending out 2023 with tax tips that you need to know. We're going to close 2023 up today with a Q&A session. And then in the next two weeks, we have two special guests on that we're going to be focusing on some retirement and this, I thought, an idea of retirement going into a new year. So excited to bring that to you in the next two weeks. But before we get into that, let's do our Q&A session. Now, everybody knows if you've been listening for a while, we do these on a just about every other month. And so if you would like your question answered live on a Q&A session like this, go to taxsavingspodcast.com, click podcast, scroll to the bottom. There's going to be an area there where you can submit your question. You never know. Your question might be the next question that we answer live on a Q&A session. But I absolutely love doing these. It brings in the guests, brings in you guys as, as listeners to really kind of have the floor and say, hey, I'm here to answer the questions that you have. So before we further ado, let's knock this out. Let's go through these questions. First question is from Matt. And he said, I just listened to the Augusta Rule in Board Meeting podcast. I am wondering, can I make my dad a board member slash advisor and schedule our quarterly board meetings to coincide with our family vacations to his house to make the travel tax deductible? And on the flip side, can I schedule board meetings to coincide with his visits to our house and then rent my house to myself for these meetings. How does the number of days spent in meetings versus the total trip length affect tax deductibility? Same rules as a conference or other business trip. And then he mentions, I have an LLC tax as a sole proprietor, thinking of switching to an S Corp for 2024. Matt, great question. So absolutely. And this is the idea behind utilizing the Augusta rule and just board meetings in general. Remember, board meetings can be comboed with the Augusta rule. So your second question, when your father comes and visits you, if he is part of your board, and you're hosting those board meetings regularly, every quarter, whatever it might be, and they're visiting your house, could you rent out your home using the 14-day home rental rule for that board meeting? Absolutely. That's a great way to utilize both the board meetings as a tax strategy, but also the Augusta rule. Again, make sure you're not doing it in your home office, make sure you're getting reasonable rental rates, all the things we need to do, but that is a great way to use the Augusta rules to have that board meeting in your house when your father comes visit. Not to mention, are you going to have food at that board meeting? Who else is part of your board? Is maybe siblings, maybe spouses, who else kids? Are, are they part of that board? And now we're having a family meal that we're utilizing as a board meeting. It's a great opportunity and something we see oftentimes. So absolutely, yes. And as far as having your dad be a board member and having those trips to their house be a tax deductible, yeah, I see no problem with that, assuming that it's it's ordering necessary. So, you know, if your father lives across the country or across the world, would a visit to them be tax deductible for a board meeting? Maybe, maybe not. Maybe once. Probably either that would be more on the riskier side. But if he's a state away or a couple hour drive, things like that. Absolutely. That travel to go to that board meeting at their location. Absolutely deductible. Same thing if we're having a board meeting. Let's say you do an annual board meeting, a major board meeting, and you're in Wisconsin like me and you travel to Florida for that annual board meeting. That's a tax deductible trip to host that boarding, to go to that board meeting. Absolutely. So everything that you're saying here absolutely makes sense. Love the idea of comboing not only the board meetings, but also the Augusta rule. 
And also look at it this way. You know, we talk about board meetings is that the board meeting isn't the only the tax deduction from the board meeting, the meals, the travel associated with that board meeting isn't the only benefit. You're also getting this idea of bringing your father into your business, getting an outside perspective, bringing family into this idea of your business. So Matt, absolutely love that idea. And everything that you mentioned there sounds legit and good to me. Next question we have is from Steve. I'm just starting out as a small business owner. I haven't made any purchases yet. Prior to my starting, I'm debating between an S-Corp versus a sole proprietorship for tax structure. The venture is part-time to start, and I plan to keep it that way. As a W-2 employee, I'm debating on the two tax structures mentioned above. One thing that we would want to say is we don't want to get into an S-Corporation until that business is operating, until we're starting to see some good profit coming from it and expect that profit to continue. Typically say that number is $50,000 or so or more. So I would say based on the little bit of knowledge you gave me here, I would say S-Corp doesn't make sense for you right now. Absolutely not. But the question then becomes is what should I be? Should I be a sole proprietorship? Should I be an LLC? Because remember, an S-Corp is not an entity structure. An S-Corp is just an election to be taxed. So you elect to be taxed as an S-Corporation, but you need to have a corporation or you need to have an LLC set up in order to elect to be taxed as an S-Corporation. So my recommendation that we talk to everybody about is, is to start an LLC. An LLC with no S-Corp election is going to be treated for tax purposes the same exact way as a sole proprietorship. It's a subject to self-employment taxes, same exact way as a sole proprietorship. You get no tax savings just by becoming an LLC. You get no tax advantages compared to a sole proprietorship. But what I would say is that one, you get the legal protections and you can talk to an attorney about the benefits from that. But now that you have an LLC set up, if your business starts to take off, if you start to see some really good success, you have the ability to convert that LLC to be taxed as an S-corporation and we can backdate that S-corp election. So that LLC is a really good structure that you get that legal protection, but now you have an entity structure that's set up and ready for an S-corp whenever it makes sense. Because I've seen so many business owners start as a sole proprietorship, start to blow up, business is booming, and now they say, hey, I want to be an S-corporation. And then we break the news to him that says, you can't be an S-corporation from a sole proprietorship. You need to have an LLC set up. And so that's why I love the idea of every business that's going to be starting to generate some income of some sort, not only for protection purposes of the LLC, but have an LLC set up so that you're more structured. And then when the time makes sense to do an S-corporation, that structure's set up. All we have to do is elect S-corp status and, and move forward. But we're not kind of guessing, do I have some income as sole proprietorship? Do I have some income? Do I need to then start an LLC? That's why we love having an LLC set up from the beginning. So that would be my recommendation to you. Get that LLC structure set up, but don't do the S-Corp election. Don't make that an S-Corp until that time makes sense. And check out our whole S-Corp series on more information about when it makes sense, when doesn't it. We go through all sorts of details about that. Next question is from James. And he mentions, if you own a business with a partner, can you each take part in the Augusta rule? 14 days for me and 14 days for my partner or only 14 days total? So yes, both partners can rent out their personal residence for 14 days or less and not be taxed on that income. So if your partners, as long as you're not married, but if you have two separate partners, you can rent out your personal residence. Anybody can rent out their personal residence for 14 days or less and pay no income tax on that income. Now, if you're taking 14 days from your partnership to you and 14 days from your partnership to your other partner, I would just say, make sure you have some really solid documentation on the business purpose for that rental along with reasonable rate and those types of things. But yes, absolutely. Every individual in the country 
can rent out their personal residence for 14 days or less and pay no income taxes on that income received from that rental for 14 days or less. Yes, you can both take advantage of that idea. We have a question from Nick. I heard you talk about your new software, Tax Elm. Can you explain who this would be best for and why? Yeah, Nick, great question. Tax Elm is a software that we recently launched a little bit earlier this year. People have been loving it. And it's it's truly a great software for any business owner, any small business owner or high income earner. If you're a small business owner just getting started, it's a great solution for you. If you're a small business owner that's been established for a while, it's a great solution for you. As part of our software, there's kind of a bunch of main features. The first one being is a tax savings blueprint. That blueprint is we're going to ask you a bunch of questions, gather a bunch of information about you, your family, those types of things. And then we're going to spit out a blueprint. And that blueprint is kind of this roadmap to say what tax strategies are meant for you and what is the estimated savings from those strategies. So in that blueprint, it's going to have strategies that you've already implemented and estimated savings from that, strategies that you should be implementing this year and estimated savings for each strategy, and then maybe some strategies you just want to keep on the back of your mind for future implementation. So it creates this blueprint of, okay, what strategies are meant for me, my business, my life? Once you have that blueprint, then you can dive into our training where we have modules and videos and all sorts of training on all these different tax strategies. What is the tax strategy? How do I implement it? What do I need to know? Do you have any templates, documents, things to help support that strategy? All of that's included in our training modules. And every strategy is also going to come with a guide and a workbook. That guide is going to go through that strategy, everything you need to know about it. And then there's going to be a workbook that's going to help you implement that strategy. What are those things I need to do? What are some idea generators? What are some things that help make this strategy real? Because a lot of times it takes a mindset shift to implement some of these strategies. On top of that, you have unlimited messaging with our team of tax experts. So anytime you have a tax planning question pop up, how do I do this? Can you help me with implementation on this or this thought on this? You can message our team on unlimited amount of times. You have access to our tax experts to go through these tax planning questions as they come up to you. You also get a one-on-one live consultation with our team. That's an annual consultation. So you'll be able to jump on live in a Zoom every year and, and go through the tax questions that you have. And so our recommendation is go through the blueprint, Go through the training, ask any questions you have along the way, of course, but then let's take that one-on-one meeting to really button everything up and say, okay, I understand this strategy, but I got this little piece I need to know about. And I want to know about this entity structure with these multiple businesses that I'm associated in. Use that one-on-one meeting with us to then kind of complete this plan. It also comes with a bookkeeping analysis. So we'll review your books, your bookkeeping on, a, on an annual basis. We do monthly webinars and trainings, and then you also have access to our partner directory and discounts and things like that. So An absolutely great software for all small business owners. We touch on tax savings for those that are making $5,000 a year in profit to those making $5 million or more a year. We go from core strategies to advanced strategies. So just a beautiful piece of software in a training program as well as support from our team, unlimited support for you for those businesses to help you along that journey. Business owners of all size and definitely check that out. You can learn more about it. We do a demo on our website. It's taxelm, T-A-X-E-L-M.com. There's a demo kind of going through the software, what that looks like. So definitely check that out, Nick. Next question is from Cameron. I heard your podcast on business credit card rewards spending, and it raised a question. If someone were to use points earned on their business credit card for personal expenditures, travel, vacation, wouldn't that be a form of commingling personal and business expenses opening up a corporate veil issue? So let's talk about that question first. This would be a question that I would talk to your attorney about just to kind of verify that legal side of the business. I've never had an issue with this. And you, you mentioned personal and business expenses. 
when you're using rewards, you're earning rewards on the business and then you're using those, let's say it's flight miles, you're using those flight miles personally. That's not an expenditure. You're not using business expense. It's not a business expense paid personally. So I would never seen or heard of an issue with commingling by utilizing this type of strategy with credit card rewards, but definitely run it past your attorney if it's something that you're concerned with. Talk to your attorney about that corporate bail issue. They're the ones going to be talking about the legal standpoint. But from a tax standpoint, absolutely, this is a tried and true way to earn points from the business spending, but then use those points personally and there's no tax on that. The next question you have is kind of a follow-up to this. As you said, there are some cards where you have to actually spend the money on the business card first then offset that expense line item using the credit card company points. In that case, your personal expense would have been paid for initially on the business card. Cameron, this is an exact example. These are the type of ones that that are kind of a disadvantage because you wouldn't be able to do that. If it is kind of a money back rewards, then you'd have to, that would be income to the business. Let's say you spend $1,000 and then you get $100 back on that. So total cost was $900. Well, in that business, you wouldn't be able to use that personally. That's why we always recommend kind of our check out our, our podcast episode and blog posts on credit card rewards. But one thing that we always recommend is using some type of point system or airline miles or something like that, where you spend money to book an airline. You use those points to book a hotel. That's where it becomes. That's the beauty behind using credit card rewards from the business to help benefit you personally. If it's a cash back, if it's something like that or a discount on, on the spending you're doing, that's technically income. Now, it's not income, but let's say you spend $1,000 but get $100 back, that your total expenditure that you're allowed to take is $900. So it's not income, but essentially you could also get an expense for 1000 and then income of 100 The net result is $900 is what you're getting to expense in that area. So definitely check out the training on that. We have some helpful kind of thoughts, strategies, ideas behind it as well. Here's a question from Brooke. I am an escort for my counseling business. This year, my husband started a sole prop LLC to contract the work for a property that will rent to my counseling practice. His LLC won't have any profit this year. We are using mostly personal funds and my owner distributions for the purchase and remodel expenses. My income increased by 35% halfway through the year and my husband resigned from his corporate career to do this. Even though the property is owned by my husband's LLC, can all of the expenses of the remodel with major square footage addition be deductions under my counseling LLC as the renter who is contracting the work to be done? What program do you recommend to show how deductions are calculated for tax purposes? So this is a good question, Brooke. I think that you would have to look at the agreement that you have in place with the LLC that owns this property. So think of it just as if your husband was not owning it. Let's say you were renting a a property from somebody and that you were doing some remodel of that. Now, I think you'd have to look at the agreement. Who is covering that remodel? Are are you doing the build out? Is is the agreement say that you as the the occupancy of the space is doing the build out? Then I would say that those expenses would be on you. If you're responsible for the build out, that's on you. Now, if in turn you get into a space with somebody, and again, let's take your husband out of this, let's just assume it's somebody else. But let's say you get into an agreement with somebody and they say, hey, we're going to take care of all the, the bathrooms. And if anything goes wrong, that's on us. So if all of a sudden a bathroom, there's water damage, you need to replace the flooring in the entire place, and your agreement says that's taken care of by the person that's renting to you, well, then obviously those expenses and everything associated with that would be under the person that owns the building because that's what's kind of in your agreement. So check in your rental agreement, kind of what that looks like. Oftentimes we see 
the build out being done by the renter, the person that is renting is doing their build outs, but then there's usually sometimes a kickback, things like that. So check out your agreement with that, but definitely some some ways that you can organize this to, to make it make the most sense. As far as re- what recommendation for program to show deductions and all that, we highly recommend a software called Zero. QuickBooks Online obviously is another option. If it's simple enough, you could use Excel sheets, but you know, just find some type of solution to record all the activity from that business, all that activity from that a rental business, the expenses, the date, what was it for, keeping the receipts on file, all those typical things. Oh, we have a question from Seven A. I want to deduct home office expenses on my 1120S for my S Corp. I have created an, an accountable plan. I believe it will be line 19 on the 1120S, but how will I input this into TurboTax business software? Could you help me with it? Great. First off, great job. Home office, a great opportunity to get a deduction and everybody most people we talk to very rarely will I find someone that does not qualify for a home office deduction. So great thing there. And also great thing on an accountable plan. You'll know in the training that we do and in, in, in previous podcast episodes, especially leading up to your end, we talk about this idea of an accountable plan. In order to take a home office in an S corporation, you need to have an accountable plan in place and do the proper reimbursement for it. As far as where it's going to show up in the 1120S, I would think other deductions is a great place for it. I'm not familiar with TurboTax, so I'm not quite sure kind of where you would enter it in there. But yeah, in that other deductions area would be a great a great spot for it. And I would just be cautious when you start to have an S corporation, the business return starts to get more complex. If you want to do it yourself, there's definitely ways you can do that. You can learn it. You might stumble a bit. You might struggle through it, but it's definitely doable. But if it ever makes sense to hire a professional, when you start to get an S corporation into these businesses, oftentimes it's it really does make sense to bring on a professional. So something to check out. We also have our sister firm. If you want to connect with them, you can check everything out about our partner, sister accounting firm, Inksight, I-N-C-S-I-G-H-T dot net. They do all kind of full service things on, on that end. We have a question from Brad. He says, I love your show and it helps me get through my daily struggle of going to the gym. Well, glad I can help you do two really good things, save on taxes and get to the gym. My question is somewhat brief. I'm a 50% member of two S corporations. My wife is a W-2 employee and also has a side business where she consults. So she has to file a Schedule C. We both file Schedule Cs, mine from real estate commission income. Brad, the first question I'd have here is you're a 50% member in two S corporations, and then you also have a Schedule C for commission income. That would just be a clarification question that I'd have. But then he says, my wife is a professor at college, so she drives from home to various campuses of the school. She has a home office upstairs. My office is downstairs. Can we both take the $500 per month home office tax deduction on our Schedule Cs? We filed jointly. First things first, yes, if you have a home office and your wife has a home office related to your business and you qualify for the home office, again, look at our training to make sure you qualify. But yeah, if you both have qualifying home offices that are separate, you can both take a home office deduction for that. The question I would have, and here's some things to think about, Brad, is I'm not sure what you're talking about, the $500 per month home office tax deduction. So not sure where that number came from or what it is. So I would definitely check into that. The other thing is, is you have a lot of different kind of businesses going on here. There might be a way to really organize this and structure this in a better way, where you have one core S corporation that has your ownership in any other entities that you have. And so if you do it that way, it would just clean things up a little bit that in commission income that's not through an S corporation, but you're getting on a Schedule C now could be rolled into an S corporation. So check out the training we did on this, the blog post podcast episode is a few years back now, but it was on multiple businesses and best way to structure that and structuring with a partner and different things like that. But I would definitely look at your structure here because there might be a way that you can save some costs on filing costs, but also just structure this in a way that's going to be more tax advantageous to you. But just 
to answer your main question, can you both take a home office deduction for separate offices for separate businesses? Absolutely. Yes. We have a question from Aman. Someone wants to hire his children age 18. I know you mentioned you have a podcast. Would you please let me know what are the process to hire a child? I was asking if the S-Corp owner hire their own child, 18 years old, what payroll taxes they have to pay. So yes, when we talk about hiring a child that's 18 or older in our business, I think we need to look at it in a few different ways. Is this person just doing some side work? Are they maybe just doing some social media for us, handling blog posts, doing a little bit of communication stuff for us? To me, that sounds like we could probably hire them more as a 1099 contractor, and that's going to be the preferred way to do it. But if this person is full-time, they look, act, do everything like an employee, just like every other employee we have in our business, then you would want to hire them as a W-2 employee. You'd be responsible for federal withholding, the FICA taxes, unemployment taxes, everything like that. If you hire them as a W-2 employee within your S-corporation. If you are hiring them as a 1099 contractor within your S corporation, then you just send them a 1099. No taxes associated with that. You send them 1099 at year end, that child that you're paying is going to receive that 1099. And then they're, of course, going to have expenses, different things to offset that income. So let's say you pay them $10,000 throughout the year. They're going to have a home office wherever they're working. They're going to have travel to come see you, their client. They're going to have different things like that, cell phone, internet, those types of things where they can offset some of that income. So they're likely not paying full taxes on 100% of that income, that 1099 income that you're paying them. We also talked about this in kind of a wrap-up episode, so check out a lot of those different options. But yes, typically, once your child hits 18 or older, this is not for 17 or younger, 18 or older, we're going to prefer to pay them as a 1099 contractor because then they can offset a bunch of that income with their own type of expenses. But again, if they look, act, smell, everything else like an employee, likely an employee, then we have to withhold for FICA taxes, unemployment with withhold, do all the payroll pieces for that. Three questions we'll knock out here. Lee says, I have a clothing business. We used a graphic designer and a clothing designer, two separate people, to make our logo and design for our clothes. Should those just be written off as normal expenses, such as meals and other materials, or do I have to send them a 1099? So first off, yes, they can just be normal expenses, but I would record as like a contract labor or something like that for those expenses that you paid them. But you would have to send them a 1099 if they qualify. Now, again, We did a 1099 episode a few weeks ago, so check out that on what qualifies, but uh, you would have to send them a 1099 if they qualify for a 1099 because they're considered a contractor. They're a graphic designer doing one-off work for you, clothing designer doing one-off work for you. Definitely, if they make over $600, if they're not in a corporation, if they're not international, those things, they qualify as as an independent contractor, grab a W-9 from them, and then send them a 1099. Either way, you you get the contract labor. I would put this as an expense account on your books as contract labor for that work. We have a question from Sam. She says, how many tax-reducing strategies do you currently have in your library? I'm assuming they're talking about Tax Elm. Again, you can find that at TaxElm, T-A-X-E-L-M.com. Sam, we have a lot. I would say somewhere in the 150 type range. We also have a lot of strategies that are kind of intertwined or comboed into one a plethora of, of strategies in there and we're constantly adding more. Anytime we learn more, anytime we get these new things, every time we have a client that asks us a question about something that maybe we don't have a strategy for yet or we haven't clearly outlined that, we're constantly adding new stuff. We typically see new strategies be put into Tax Elm at least once a week or we're modifying it. We're adding some more content videos. We have a workbook. We have a guide for every strategy. We're, we're constantly adding more strategies. But, you know, I would say roughly off the top of my head, maybe 150 roughly range. All right. Last question. This is from Keith. My dad and I own an LLC S Corp with 50-50 share. I want to hire my eight-year-old son to clean the office. 
I know we'd have to hold out taxes since we are an S-Corp, but could we also hold out a set amount to go into a 529? Would a 529 be better than a Roth? Would the contributions to savings help lower our tax bill? So Keith, the first thing I would say is check out our training and podcast episode that we did on hiring your kids. But for your situation, because you are an S-Corporation, you're right. If you hired them within the S-Corporation, you would have to withhold for taxes and then they could fund a 529 Roth, whatever they want to do with that. But my recommendation instead would be to set up a family management company. That family management company would offer cleaning services to your S-Corporation. That family management company would just be a sole prop. This isn't complex, setting up this big corporate entity or anything. We're just doing a sole prop that's going to offer cleaning services to the S-Corporation. And then you or your spouse can own that sole prop cleaning company that will then pay your children out there. Now we don't have to withhold for FICA taxes. Now we don't have to withhold for federal unemployment. We avoid those FICA taxes on that. So how would this process work? S Corp that you own with your dad would pay family management company sole proprietorship for cleaning duties, for cleaning work. That cleaning company, which is owned by you or your spouse, would pay your children out of there. Because it's a sole proprietorship, you don't have to withhold for FICA taxes on a direct dependent or federal unemployment. And if you pay them under the standard deduction, they're going to have no income tax on that money received. That money that you pay them, you could send straight to a 529 account if you want. You could fund a Roth IRA if you wanted. As far as which one's better, I think you need to kind of look at your state, the situation you're looking at. I love, love the idea of doing a Roth IRA with hiring our children. Basically, we hire our children. Now, if they have earned income from that money that we use to hire them, we can fund a Roth IRA up to whatever the annual five, $6,000, whatever it is, the annual amount for that Roth IRA. We don't have to worry about a tax deduction going into the Roth IRA because they're under the standard deduction, so they're not going to have tax. That's a beautiful thing. Now they have that money in the Roth and it can grow tax-free and tax-free withdrawals during retirement. And if they need money from that, you can withdraw the principal from a Roth IRA. No taxes, no penalties, no worries there. So I love the idea of a Roth. Maybe you might want to do a combo, some 529, some Roth, but definitely something that we'd want to know a little bit more details about kind of what exactly is is the most perfect option there. It's going to depend on that. So that's what we have today. Again, this is our regular Q&A session. If you are interested in having your question answered live on a a Q&A session, go to taxsavingspodcast.com, click podcast on top, scroll to the bottom and submit your question. I want to thank you again for going on this journey and through the end of the year, knocking out all these tax saving strategies. And remember, the next two weeks, we're going to be touching on a few retirement options and things to be thinking about as we're entering a new year. Thank you again. If you, I would love to answer your questions live. Feel free to submit them. Everybody have a great holidays and I will see you next week. This has been another episode of the Small Business Tax Savings Podcast. If you enjoy our weekly episodes, please leave a review and share with other business owners. You can find previous episodes and more information at www.taxsavingspodcast.com. Thanks for listening and have a great day.